Are you still trying to reinvent the wheel? Tens of thousands of professionals have attempted to solve the same challenges you're dealing with right now. Some of them failed, some of them succeeded. But very few of them succeeded and captured their proven approach to share it with the world. Mike Kunkel is one of these very few. He has been an enabler for over 30 years and has captured his proven approach in an extremely successful framework called the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement. Mike and I have now translated the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement framework into a learning experience that helps a new generation of enablement teams fast-track their journey to sales enablement mastery. Our combination of group coaching sessions, actionable video lessons, materials, resources, networking opportunities and templates makes mastering sales enablement best practices faster and easier than it has ever been before. So if you want to stop reinventing the wheel, maximize business impact and fast-track your career, consider joining a growing community of enablers at the Building Blocks of Sales Enablement Learning Experience. To learn more, visit goffwd.com slash blocks. That's g-o-f-f-w-d.com slash b-l-o-c-k-s. I'd like to use one of my favorite enablement analogies with enablement as our maestro or the orchestrator where our stakeholders are players in this grand orchestra, right? And we're all working from the same score. We're dedicated to achieving the same thing, a shared business outcome. And the secret sauce to all of this, to really like achieving our results, is to bring as many relevant stakeholders and teams on board as early as possible. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. When it comes to strategic sales enablement skills, effective stakeholder management is a superpower that is key to alignment and ultimately success. Our guest in this week's episode has been an extremely successful enabler throughout her career, which is why I can't wait to share her tips for effective stakeholder management with you. Please welcome the VP Enablement, Learning and Development at Pesado and my co-host of this month in Sales Enablement, Devin McDermott. Devin, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement. Ooh, hey Felix, I'm so excited to be here. Connecting Australia with Los Angeles. It's a beautiful thing. You have just survived the Super Bowl by the sounds of it. I know you're a bit outside of Los Angeles. Yeah. But did you witness any of the madness? Thankfully, no. I mean, I did watch the halftime show safely from my iPad, which was amazing. I don't know if you had yeah. a chance to see it, but that was my Super Bowl. So it was good. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like my Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> so, Devin, for the few people that don't know you in the sales enablement sphere, what is your background and what do you do now? Yeah. So... My enablement journey started in the world of training and sales productivity. And this was at companies like Salesforce, Sprinkler, and a number of startups. But my first proper enablement role, meaning it was actually in my title, was account team enablement. And in that role, I was tasked with building an enablement program from the ground up, and I completely fell in love with it. So from there, I was lucky enough to join SailThrough, where I was able to strategize and build their sales enablement function as a team of one. But luckily, I was reporting into just this incredible head of RevOps and learned so much about building a predictable, scalable enablement function for our teams. 
And at Sail Through, our sales enablement program was really successful. And so I was eventually able to grow my team and expand my scope and take on customer success and customer enablement. One cool thing, I think during that time, I became really immersed in the sales process and methodology development. So like sales methodologies became just a huge passion area for me, like all of my books back there sales methodology books. But anyway, now I'm at a company called Persado, which is an AI generation and decisioning platform. And at Persado, I'm leading revenue enablement, customer education, and L&D. I would love to source some input on how I can find a better name for our team because that is a mouthful. But at Persado, I am working with such an incredible team. Everyone is so talented. We are growing like crazy. We're hiring for so many enablement roles. So it's a really exciting time. That's awesome. What really strikes me about your journey is that you've always operated for companies that seem to be pretty advanced in the kind of things that they were doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. <laughs> so if you talk about sales enablement early on and then RevOps and yep. now you're operating in the AI space. So always on the cutting edge. I'm impressed. Yeah, I've just been so lucky, honestly. It's like I didn't have that traditional like salesperson or customer success manager background, but being in training and like my training focus was really in sales productivity. So the two worlds really work nicely together. Awesome. So the reason why I was really keen to catch up with you, not only because I always enjoy talking to you, but also because stakeholder management is something that comes up over and over again in, yes. in the sales enablement sphere. And it's always a topic. We all know sales enablement is all about alignment. And I want to ask you, what's your definition of stakeholder management and why does it matter so much in the sales enablement context? Yeah, stakeholder management is easily the most essential arrow in our quiver, and it's the key. It is the key to sales enablement and organizational success. So stakeholder management is really about a few things. It's about driving alignment, building clarity, efficiency on roles, uncovering challenges and expectations aligned to any given initiative. It's about breaking down silos, and this is a, a huge one, and we want to break down those silos to enhance synchronicity. We want to establish a repeatable, all-hands-on-deck approach to achieving very clearly defined business goals. And finally, the real piece of stakeholder management that's the most important is getting our teams operating independently to achieve a desired result at scale, right? And a stakeholder, I think this is probably pretty obvious, but a stakeholder is any person who's actively involved in that process. So when done successfully, stakeholder management can yield incredible results. And so indulge me for a moment. I'd like to use one of my favorite enablement analogies with enablement as our maestro or the orchestrator, where our stakeholders are players in this grand orchestra, right? And we're all working from the same score. We're dedicated to achieving the same thing, a shared business outcome. And the secret sauce to all of this, to really like achieving our results, is to bring as many relevant stakeholders and teams on board as early as possible. And we need to be super focused on driving that mutual understanding and alignment and alignment around goals, pain, challenges, metrics, all of the things that are really important. And each team needs to know what's expected of them so that we can drive successful company outcomes. So bottom line, it's all about alignment. It's all about getting on the same page to achieve that desired end goal. I love what you were saying about, or the analogy that we were using about the orchestra. I think yeah. from my experience, certainly, you know, like the sort of attitude that you need to have to make things happen, right? If anybody yes. in that whole setup thinks they're taking the lead and telling everybody how it's done, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's almost certain to be a showstopper. So that collaborative mindset is so, so important. Exactly. Or like not pulling their weight. And I find so often companies and teams are hesitant to bring in too many people early on, right? Like, oh, well, we don't want to overwhelm folks. But if we can all like get everyone in a room, get on the same page from day one, then we can figure out, okay, here's where I come in. Here's where you come in. It's where the orchestration happens. But I find so often companies are so hesitant and teams are so hesitant to kind of bring everyone in early on to gain that alignment. And it's a huge missing piece. I mean, you've worked for very large corporates and also for smaller companies. Yeah. What does the stakeholder landscape typically look like on both ends of the scale? Like, who are the key stakeholders for enablement? Oh, it's literally, and this may seem like a cop-out, it's almost every single team, right? We liaise with product, product marketing, the people team, RevOps, our teams on the ground, our teams in the field are probably the most important stakeholders. And then, of course, like, on some level, engineering and other teams, but it's almost every single team in the organization because they are impacted by the work that we're doing. And I will say that's true at every company. Now, some of the bigger companies have a much tighter engine for making this happen, for driving that collaboration. And I know we're going to talk about some of this later. For smaller companies, that's harder. And I think kind of what we were talking about before, there's hesitation to bring in too many teams or other teams with opinions early on into the process, which can really hurt those companies sometimes. I think they think they're doing a good thing, but the larger companies that I've worked for tend to have that process pretty locked, which is awesome. Got it. You're hosting the Team of One podcast for Trust Enablement. Yes. And in the APEC region, you often witness a dynamic where you don't even have a Team of One. You have a Team yeah. of 0.5, right? Exactly. Which is <laughs> the sales leader often attempting to also do sales enablement to a certain degree. Oh, yeah. If there's only so many hours in a day for somebody doing sales enablement and stakeholder management, obviously taking up a lot of time to create that alignment, where would it make sense for a sales leader to focus most? That is an interesting question. I think it goes back to like that initial planning and alignment. So again, not every company has a culture of planning or a culture of like chartering and, and alignment for the year. But I think if you can really hone in on what are the key goals for the organization? What do we need to accomplish? Bring those key players together. So I think we can all make time for a 30 minute planning meeting, right? So understanding what do we need? Again, getting the right folks in the room and then sending everyone off on their way to execute on whatever we've agreed upon. Now, you will need to meet every so often to check in, see how things are going. So again, if you're short on time, you may want to do a stand up a few days a week. You may want to do a monthly sync. It really depends on how advanced your company is in terms of that planning. But I think it's a matter of just like ensuring we have alignment early on, on at least what the core initiatives are and what all of our key roles are in making that happen. So. It's certainly not easy, but it's thinking about how you can maximize your time from the beginning. And you mentioned stand-up meetings and check-ins. Like, What are some of the other channels you can utilize to maintain that alignment and maintain that alignment across the broader stakeholder group within the organization? I love a stand-up, but thankfully Slack is big in my organization and big in many organizations. So you can do your Slack check-ins. We use Asana as well. So the former project management in me loves Asana, assigning tasks. And so you can certainly drive alignment there. And obviously, like some companies, the bigger companies tend to have a very set process. So oftentimes as an enabler, we're driving that process of, OK, let's get everybody into Asana so we can make this thing happen. Let's set up the Slack channel to make it happen. But there are certainly ways you can keep the momentum going offline and make sure you're fully aligned and working in lockstep. Got it. 
how would you say your approach to stakeholder management has evolved throughout your career? I think as everything, you get more sophisticated over time. Like how has your approach evolved and what were some of the key learnings along the way? Thankfully, my approach has evolved a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> early on, I was kind of siloed, right? I knew it was really important to fulfill the goals of my manager. And at the time, this was my CRO. So I knew I was to listen to their strategic vision, their plan, and I was going to go and execute in the field using brute force to bring that vision to life, right? Because my assumption was, if my CRO is on board, then that must mean everyone else is on board, right? All the other relationships are just going to be organic. Like, of course, product marketing is going to want to be our best friend. RevOps is going to want to hang out with us all the time and achieve all these goals and this vision together. Everyone would just understand how important our role is in organizational success. I was even very falsely under the assumption that our executive leaders would be like, oh my God, enablement is here. There are these supercharged change agents who are going to get things done. And that obviously is not the case. It's not the case anywhere. I was very, very naive. Lesson learned, right? So what it comes down to is if colleagues and folks in your organization don't fully understand the power of enablement and how we as a team can support organizational growth, then it only exacerbates existing challenges of getting that stakeholder alignment and stakeholder management. So as I mentioned before, it's really important to identify challenges early on, make sure we're prioritizing the right things and that we get the buy-in that we need. So this was a huge undertaking because I, again, walked in with this very false sense of like, enablement's going to be worshipped. We're so great. And so to do this, I had to like ease into it. What's the expression? Eat the elephant one bite at a time. So figuring out, OK, what are the small steps I can take to get everyone on board? So for years, I would do a little enablement presentation for new folks joining the company. And it was super high level. So it had like our high level charter, what enablement was, programs that we ran, teams we partnered with how we measured success. And again, being slightly naive at the time, I assumed that the alignment would come because I was so organized, right? In my little enablement silo, I'm like, oh, this is great. Everyone's going to get it. But looking back now, it was incredibly surface level. It was barely what our stakeholders needed. And listen, some stakeholders found it sufficient, but more people than you'd imagine still have no idea what enablement is and how impactful partnering with enablement can be to their success. So those stakeholder relationships that we would look at on the enablement side as being like no brainer, like product marketing and RevOps, those become really challenging when folks are skeptical or when they don't really understand like who enablement is, why we exist and what we do. So not too long ago, a leader in my organization who I had done my usual, you know, what is enablement? Who are we? They asked me, why does enablement have to be involved in our process scoping meetings and in the strategy for the playbook we're building? We just want to tell you when it's time for training, okay? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I have not done my job. So my answer was, no, we're not here to do training. We're strategic consultants. We are your partners. We can bring the right stakeholders into the fold to build and deploy what we need to support your teams, which will ultimately increase the impact of what we're doing and, and the success rates. And for me, at least, I think enablement is in a really unique position. We have our ear to the ground. We are immersed in the field and in the space, and we are really partners in driving change. And because of what we do, like 
we do things like field advisory board with our field stakeholders. We track challenges. We use call recording. We talk to the team. We analyze data. We run surveys. Like we are part of the field team that we're tasked with supporting. And being so immersed in their world gives us more credibility as partners, gives us gravitas in the, the stakeholder management. So after that comment, lesson learned again, I had to change my approach completely. And I needed to figure out how to bring the bus into my initiative. So I had this sales leader who always used the expression in his deals, like, you got to bring the bus, you got to bring everybody. The more people you have, the better. So I keep that in mind all the time. And so we still take our charter on an alignment roadshow to make sure our plans are comprehensive and that leaders on different teams who are impacted by the work we do actually know how the puzzle fits together and the part that we each play. But as an outcome, I have taken my cute little like what is enablement presentation and I flipped it. So it is totally focused on stakeholder management. So now it includes how do we partner? How do we go to market together? It's focused on goal alignment, clarity, like extreme clarity for each team. How do we partner? Where do we partner? How are we evaluating ourselves? More importantly, how are we evaluating our strategy and our vision? And it really drives home the point that if we aren't working together in lockstep, nothing good happens, right? So as we said before, I think it's important to drive this point home. You can do this tactically through things, as we said, like go-to-market planning, monthly or even like bi-weekly enablement planning sessions, but that forcing mechanism to make sure we're all on the same page. And then again, like people can branch off into their mini stakeholder pods to maximize team time and, and to create those efficiencies. But the short version, so like the TLDR version of all of that is it's like nurturing a customer relationship just internally. So much like understanding the mind, the goals and the challenges for our customers we have to do the same for our stakeholders and we have to engage them as a client because essentially they are. It's on us to understand like the challenges, the risks, how they're evaluated, what they care about. We need to show them like build the trust, be that trusted partner because how we build that trust, it actually sits at the foundation of all of our stakeholder relationships. It's so important. So tons of lessons learned. I learn new lessons every day, but that one was really important for me. I love it. I love it. I think it's exactly your point about doing the sell internally and essentially bringing those values that you need as a modern B2B seller to life within your own organization. Yeah. And as you said, even your, if your product is awesome, unless you're able to sell it and bring it to market, it's worthless, right? And it's the same with the enablement function. Yeah. Just because enablement exists and there's a lot of value in enablement. You still need to realize it by bringing it to market, so to speak, within the organization, right? Exactly. And each person coming into your organization has had a completely different experience with enablement, if any. I've definitely worked with folks who are like, oh, well, we need to project manage this. That's enablement. That's what they did at my last company. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> yeah, here's yeah. what we need to do. So instead of getting frustrated with those interesting questions or requests, it's on me to make sure I'm educating appropriately. That's right. That's right. I mean, there's still so many definitions of enablement floating around, right? Oh and my gosh. It's probably also why the number one questions that I get when I talk to prospects for my consulting business is, so what does sales enablement mean to you? How do you define it? And exactly, I think just that question is a reflection of the fact that for some people, it's just training, or for some people, it's just a technology. I think there's still not a single definition out there that's commonly used, right? Yeah. 
and not a ton of consistency from one company to the next, one vertical to the next. So it's hard to drive that. But again, it, it makes me a little bit more aware about my expectations of folks. And again, tells me I have to be the one educating and informing to create the experience I want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point also, what you said initially about you starting in the enablement role and you thinking it's so great and we've got the CRO support <laughs> and everybody is going to be on board and you'll be leading the charge. I think there's kind of two people that I commonly have seen in large organizations that I work for that were struggling with stakeholder management. Yeah. Were the people who either just starting out in their career and don't have that real world experience of what it means and operating in such a complex environment or people who've only worked for small companies and suddenly they join this mammoth organization that might have a matrix structure and operates globally. Yeah. So many people get absolutely wiped out by their yep. stakeholder <laughs> environment because they have no idea what they get themselves into. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> so for those people, do you have any advice on how you can train your stakeholder management muscle and some of the key principles that you should follow when you really try to manage your stakeholder environment effectively? Yeah. So I have like my top tips for stakeholder management that I actually like created with my team and we share internally because it's really important and it's like an important reminder for us. So I'm going to run you through my like top tips for stakeholder management. Again, I don't know if it's so profound, but I think these are really important. The first one, and I think this is the most important one, is to create a dedicated space for feedback and alignment. Feedback and input at every single stage of our engagement is key. And as we talked about a number of times now, this forum could be a weekly stand-up, a daily stand-up even, a go-to-market meeting, a monthly enablement stakeholder sync. So like if your company doesn't do go-to-market planning, force that function, force that alignment, the check-ins. It keeps us on track. It allows room for iteration and it ensures consistent alignment. And I know like if you are at a company like mine that is rapidly growing and shifting our strategy, you have to be agile. You have to be checking in and make sure, yes, we all understand what needs to happen now. So again, first one is creating that space for feedback and continuous alignment. The second one is gaining an intimate understanding of your stakeholders. Again, I'll say it a million more times, they are our clients and we need to make sure we're building a relationship where we understand them. We understand their challenges, their goals, what they care about, where they're struggling. This is what allows us to seamlessly orchestrate the changes that we need to drive in our organization. That was our second tip. Just quickly on that one. Yeah. How methodical are you in actually trying to create that understanding also within your team? Is it more informal or do you literally document somewhere what the priorities of different teams are? Do you map out the key stakeholders within that team? Like how formal or informal is it on your end? We don't have a standard go-to-market function in my organization, so we are very methodical about it. So we address it at a macro level in our charter, which is like the high-level initiatives, who's involved, how are they involved. And then for each of the core projects that we're driving some sort of change management or enablement initiative around, we meet with each of our stakeholders. So at the project level, we uncover standard challenges, risks, concerns. But for each team, what are the challenges for you meeting this deadline? Like we are dependent on that deck being ready from product marketing. We're dependent on certain things happening. So we actually spend a ton of time. Essentially, we start at the beginning of the year for that like annual planning. But then again, for each initiative, we spend dedicated time with each stakeholder to ensure we understand all of that. 
I have the luxury though, and, and you were kind of getting at this earlier, we don't have a huge team. We don't have a huge leadership team. So it's quite clear who needs to be involved in our projects where you need to be a little bit more thoughtful and, and less, again, methodical is when you have a much larger organization, as you were kind of alluding to before. Got it. Got it. So the next one, it kind of lends itself to the previous one, which is you need to actually manage your stakeholders. This is a big one. I have it in bold in all of our planning docs with my team, because as we said, you can't just set it and forget it. Priorities change. People change. People get pulled into different initiatives. The shiny object syndrome is real. I don't care what company you work for. And more importantly, we need to make sure our stakeholders aren't going rogue. So building that relationship, establishing that strong relationship early on, meeting often, managing your stakeholders makes everything so much more straightforward. Awesome. Yeah. So I touched upon this one before, but I think it's really important as well is to leverage your relationship with the field. Whatever you call your teams on the ground, you know, we work with customer success and sales, getting buy-in from the group that you are supporting that really is the group impacted by a lot of the work that we do. It helps to amplify what we're doing. It gets us our evangelists on the ground. They have shared goals. We want them singing program praises, getting excited, being brought into the fold. They are the folks that I think are most essential to driving success with any initiative that we're deploying. So bring them in. Don't discount your field stakeholders. They are, again, like the most important players. Yeah, and no, I love that. I think there's a whole lot of truth in the notion that you can't force anybody to do anything. Mm -hmm. And even though the structure and the senior executive sponsorship might suggest otherwise, if somebody doesn't want to get enabled and doesn't like the things that you put forward, you can't make them do anything, right? So exactly. As you said, customer facing teams, market facing teams. Oh, yeah. And their managers, I think they are probably the most important stakeholders yes. that I typically have <laughs> dealt with in the past because they're ultimately the customers. They make or break it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can have the best sales enablement charter or the best sales enablement program in place. Yep. Literally the best one ever created. If those people aren't on board, it will all go to waste. Who cares? Yep. And really the sales managers too, I, I didn't even say this, but they're the linchpin in all of this. If they are not a thousand percent on board and willing to coach, drive adoption, do all of that, forget it. It's like it never even happened. And so I know that's certainly happened to all of us at some point in our careers, and it's very sad. So again, like get in front of that early. It will save you time. There's one more. Really, there's a couple more, but there's one more that I really want to lean into, which is in the enablement role, being the silo destroyer. And what that means is making sure we are breaking down silos, engaging folks across the organization. And I use this analogy because we're currently moving into a more formal go-to-market approach in my organization. And I, I joke that without that, we have a, what I call the murder mystery party conundrum, which is, I don't know if you've ever been to a murder mystery party, Felix, but basically it's a huge waste of time because each of your colleagues, right, has very vital information. They have a specific goal. They have something that is going to impact the work that we're doing. And what winds up happening, if you don't have like a formal go-to-market function or planning function, enablement winds up becoming the detective at this party, and they have to tease out information from one person at a time. They have to piece the story together. They have to, you know, get their yarn and thumbtacks or whatever detectives do. And it's not fun. It's a huge waste of time. It's inefficient. And it can be so frustrating because you're like, okay, am I piecing together the right story? Is this where we want to go? And so instead of wasting time again, 
get in a room, make a plan, get on the same page, make stakeholder buy-in and proper stakeholder management an essential function in your organization. It's game-changing. I love it. The murder mystery conundrum. You should trademark that one. If I'm being honest, I have it in one of our enablement decks when it comes to go to market planning because I'm like, we cannot play this game. It's very fun at a party <laughs> with a glass of wine, but I am not doing this at work. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You were saying you had one more? I do. And this is, I think, again, an interesting one that I think it can be challenging. So this one is if there isn't a seat at the table for you, bring one. So that's obviously inspired by Shirley Chisholm. And I know a lot of us in the enablement world are very focused on having a seat at that table. So I think, as we all know, alignment starts at the top. But in my first few proper enablement roles, everything I learned about our company vision, our goals, was via my direct manager. I had no direct line into our executive leadership team. And not only was I getting information funneled down through my manager, I had to trust and be confident that they were properly communicating the needs and challenges and goals that I shared with them back to our leaders. So talk about another game that no one wants to play. Like that's the worst game of telephone, right? So thankfully, those days are long behind me. And since then, I've made it my business to be present with all of my executive stakeholders. So I meet with our executive leadership team early and often at the start of the year, obviously, to share results from the previous year, challenges, goals for the year ahead. And so I report in through our CRO, but I also meet with our CEO once a month. And it's really to make sure, are we on the same page? Here's where we're focusing our efforts. Here are the challenges. And what this does is it makes our efforts way more effective, way more impactful. We now have stakeholders on the executive leadership team who have our backs, which is great when things don't go expected, which can happen more often than I'd like. And so it's been a game changer for me just from a visibility perspective, access to information and alignment. So like really showing off to ELT, look at all of the great work we're doing, but also making sure, hey, do we really understand their goals and objectives? Are we really on the same page? So it's been a game changer. And if you think you can't liaise or engage with your ELT, talk to them directly, throw time on their calendar, talk to their EA. Most executive leaders are willing to have a conversation with you. And if they can see and feel and hear all the great work you're doing, but also your challenges, you're so much more likely to be successful. So when you speak to ELT and you really want to communicate, as you said, the, the great work that you're doing, how do you tackle that communication? What sort of metrics do you focus on? Is it more activity-based? Is it more revenue-related KPIs? Or is it a mix of both? Yeah. So the goal is to have it be a mix of both. As I mentioned, our organization is growing and shifting. So we're establishing a lot of our benchmarks now. So a lot of it is what we're delivering to the teams. Enablement is relatively new for a lot of our executive leaders. So a lot of it is like, okay, we have this new message. How are you bringing it to market? So it's walking them through our plans and our approach. So we certainly share activity metrics. And I share our desired goals for some of those business metrics that we are planning to impact through the work that we're doing. But a lot of it is discovery, learning, getting them comfortable with our programs, letting them know the part that they can play in our programs. So again, I'm part of a, a little bit of a smaller company. We're about 400 people. So our CEO is always willing to record a pitch for the teams, do a role play. So we're really lucky in that regard. But a lot of it is really immersive in our program and then also sharing back results, finding data from the field, from our various enablement tech. So it's a little bit of everything, but thankfully we have a hands-on ELT, which is great. Awesome. Devin, I have learned a tremendous amount once again, speaking to you. Awesome. So thank you so much for sharing so openly and also being so candid about your journey, 
yeah. as a master stakeholder manager. <laughs> if people want to continue the conversation with you, where can they find you online? Oh my gosh, I am everywhere. So you can find me on LinkedIn, the Sales Enablement Society, Trust Enablement, Sales Enablement Collective, the Squad, all of these incredible sales enablement groups where there are just geniuses lurking in all of those different groups. So find me there. I'm not very much fun on social media. So LinkedIn is the place to be. Awesome. Thank you so much, Devin. Thank you, Felix. This was incredible. I really appreciate it. Considering the recent budget cuts in the enablement space, it is no surprise that in a recent LinkedIn poll, 56% of enablers stated that they plan to increase their ability to create business impact in 2023. I've teamed up with sales enablement legend Mike Kunkel to create a webinar that outlines proven approaches to maximizing enablement's business impact. To watch the seven steps to maximizing enablement's business impact, visit goffwd.com slash impact. That's goffwd.com slash I-M-P-A-C-T.